On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers are at the quarter mark of the season, which is crazy. So let's take stock of where the Cavs are at. Thanks again for making Locked On Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Sweatblock. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweater odor, try Sweatblock. Save 20% with the promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon if you're so inclined. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. My name is Chris Manning. I cover the Cavs and NBA at large for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nation for the sort. That man over there, his name is Evan Damerel. He is the proprietor of Write Down Euclid, also at fearthesword.com. All right, 21 games into the Cavs season. That is one-fourth of 82. That means we are one-fourth, Evan of our way through the Cleveland Cavaliers season. So what we are going to do... Math. Love math. Not really. I'm really bad at math. Uh, on to, so what we're going to do on today's you show... both, brother. Well, I don't even mention that I have a degree in engineering. Yeah, you... doesn't you, mean you, I'm good at math. Uh, the slight dyslexia that runs in my family uh, really was fun with Diffie Q. So we'll, if you, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes. So today's show and Friday's show, we're going to do a taking stock of where the Cavs are at in at the quarter of the season mark. Now, you're going to say, oh, they play Wednesday. That could change things. If if one game drastically changed something for how we're going to discuss some of this, that would be like a really bonkers one game. So, like... I would imagine Evan Mobley's holding up the Will Chamberlain piece of paper with the 100 written on it, so... Yeah, yeah, or Donovan Mitchell hits, like, 35 threes or just something, like, like just every shot he takes. Like, just something like, ridiculous. It's a game of NBA 2K, my player kind of situation. Or like it turns in NBA Jam and like the sport breaks like that. That was what it would take for us to change. I think sort of what we're going to get in this episode. So this first episode in segment one, we're going to go over the state of where the, the Cavs offense is. Segment two, we're going to go over state of the Cavs defense. In segment three, we're going to discuss who the Cavs quarter season MVP candidates are and who our picks would be. Uh, second episode, we're going to give go give out a bunch of awards, including best bench player, defensive player of the year, biggest surprise. You know, big like things of that nature. But Evan, let's start with the offense. Let's run through some numbers. Cavs are ninth in offense for the year, according to the Clean the Glass. They're at one fourteen point eight per hundred possessions. Uh, if you go to the uh, that's two points above league average. If you go to dunks and threes metric, uh, which is adjusted for the strength of opposing defenses they face, the Cavs are sixth in um, in offensive rating. The Cavs are minus. Um, uh, it's weird that the Cavs are minus in the in the possessions with Mitchell and or Garland on the floor. That feels like an early season quirk, but it's just like they're they're just some weirdness in those numbers. I think to me, but Evan, when I tell you when you, when I ask you what you think of the Cavs' offense as it is now, how are you feeling about it? What what do you what do you make of it as we understand it currently? It's still a work in progress at the end of the day. I think you're starting to see more of the flashes of it kind of functioning a little bit better because Evan Mobley and uh, Donovan Mitchell were more or less forced to get comfortable with each other for the beginning of this quarter of the season because you're lacking Jared Allen for some parts of it. You're lacking Darius Garland for the better part of the beginning of it. 
And it's still a work in progress. Like I said, I think the sudden uptick in three-pointers doesn't really surprise me considering who Donovan Mitchell is and how he's wired as a player. And then if you include him, Darius Garland, Jetty Osmond when he's feeling it, uh, Kevin Love when he's healthy and feeling it, um, sometimes Evan Mobley as of late. Like the, the Cavs becoming more of a three-point team is not surprising. I'm wondering when they're going to find that little bit of a healthy balance because they have the potential at least to be one of the more balanced teams offensively just because they can they can hit threes they can hit shots within the interior jb bickerstaff likes to thumb his nose at analytics a little bit and encourages his players also to take pull-up mid-rangers and things like that too so i think it's a work in progress in terms of scoring i think the playmaking aspect is still kind of getting there too i think you're seeing evan mobley be empowered more and more with it but you have your two offensive motors and darius garland donovan mitchell at the end of the day and Clearly, those two are pretty freaking good at what they do in terms of just playmaking for this offense as well. So I think it's a little ahead of schedule just because the fit with Mitchell was kind of forced to be seamless when Garland went down. But I think it's been a bit more seamless than I expected. And you're seeing some growth from Evan Mobley now in the later half of this first quarter of the season. So we'll see where it goes from here when we talk about this, maybe at the midway point, maybe they're a little bit different. But I think we're starting to get a little bit of an idea of what does work, uh, what kind of doesn't work for them. And Isaac Okoro in the perimeter still, but there's still some still some kinks to iron out for the Cavs, and I still don't think they're like at their true final form yet either. Yeah, like so this is it's just go to raw points per game. Like they're 14th in that, they're at 112.9. That is like 0.1 above league average. This is not a team that like is among like the the leagues overall, kind of just, you know, like goes at it and is just gonna get into um, you know, really high shootouts to teams like not that's not how they play. They don't play to particular. I think this team is sort of a slower pace. I don't think of this team unless they get out on the break in certain instances of having like a particularly explosive brand of basketball a lot of the time. And and you mentioned and I and I think just with the roster, like you have six guys in Lopez that that are playing regular minutes or in some capacity on some nights. Robin Lopez, Isaac Okoro, Lamar Stevens, Jared Allen, Karis Silvert, and Evan Mobley, who are just above or in the bottom or just above the bottom third or in the bottom third in terms of three I, point I rate for the position going with this at first when you mentioned robin lopez and lamar stevens i was just yeah. like okay so two non-factors on offense and then you threw in jared allen and evan mobley i'm like okay where is he going with this yeah just just a, a, a chris little meaner but like none they have a bunch of guys who don't take a lot of threes relative to their position like even Mitchell and Garland, who I who are very good three point shooters, are below average in rate. Like, and I know threes aren't everything, and that's not that's very clearly like how they not play. But I think that's notable in terms of their overall raw output, in terms of their spacing at times. I, I don't even even think the process is really bad. I think overall it has largely worked. They're a efficient unit. I think there are some things to work out. I don't think like I I don't think a Mitchell and Garland are even like fully like in sync yet. It's still it's not like meet your turn, my turn in the way we've seen it with like LeBron and Kyrie, right? Like for a Cavs specific frame of reference, or but I don't Deanna think that Kyrie, right. Oh Jesus. But I don't think we have figured out like, I shouldn't say we, I don't think we have figured out what the best way that they are going to work together is. Like, I don't think if you look at them playing together, I do not think they have like fully like found the right way to bounce off each other and really really pass to each other in impactful ways. Like and that like that takes time. I was talking to Brennan Clean from Lockdown Suns uh, about this because he wrote a Donovan Mitchell piece for Dime that people can go read. And it was good. 
And he's like, it took 50-something games for Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker to figure out how to really like pass to each other and get integrated. And like, that's just going to take time. And like Garland missed time. So like, I think this is all still kind of like a work in progress, if that's... Mm-hmm. I, and I, that's just kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a work in progress. I still don't think we've seen the final form. And I think, like you said, to Brennan's point, um, it's a good piece. I did read it. And... Um, but the fact that it did take Chris Paul, who's literally the point guard, one of the greatest point guards, if not the greatest point guard of all time, at least of this generation, you can make that argument for sure. Um, it, it took him time to gel at Devin Booker, who certainly is a multifaceted player, but like at his core is just a shooter. And you think like, oh, those two can figure it out pretty quick. Like, no, there's like obviously the base level they probably figured out. And like, we'll talk about Mitchell and Garland. Like at the base level, they've kind of figured out a couple things, but now they got to get into the minutia and figure out like the finer details to kind of figure out like how do we accentuate one, one another so it doesn't turn into buddy ball, as Chris kind of mentioned, where it's like my turn, your turn kind of stuff, where they just play within the flow of the Cavs offensively. Um, and maybe it's a little bit of basketball socialism too, where like you maybe get random outbursts because guys are just benefiting off playing off of Mitchell and Garland being in harmony. But I think that's the next step for Cleveland just in terms of the backcourt and then ditto for the front court too, and you have Allen and Mitt or Allen and Mobley rather in the fold there too. So you like you have to figure out a lot of things still for Cleveland, but they're in a good place at the end of the day. And I think if you're JB Bakerstaff, if you're Kobe Altman, if you're anybody within this Cavs organization, you're a lot more reassured. Obviously, like in your hard arts, you make this trade ten times out of ten for Donovan Mitchell, but like you feel a lot more reassured that obviously it's still not championship or bust this season, but maybe you're slightly ahead of schedule than you maybe have initially inspected kind of similarly to last year, but obviously just way different impacts in terms of just like what Moley brought to the table and what Mitchell is bringing to the table now. Yeah. And less surprising. I, I would say too. Um, That's the, fair. Yeah. Just cause last year was like so shocking though. Evan, the one thing I will say is we end this segment that feels odd to me is kind of a, is a slight change in their shot profile year over year. So like last year, the Cavs were fifth in terms of shots at the rim. They're a 20th this year and they're taking way more, mid-range shots including mm-hmm. this particularly short mid-range shots in that four to 14 foot range and it's like not mitchell driven mitchell is taking a career low number of shots in in the mid-range like in the in the short mid like so he it is not a donovan mitchell field like adjustment that was like when i when i looked at the numbers when i was prepping for this and that's what i saw and i and i'd seen this before and i was like okay it hasn't changed i would my instinct was like okay this is perhaps mitchell driven and it's not so I don't like know if it's spacing based. I don't know if it's like Jared Allen is just not having the same offensive season and he's missed some time. Like, I don't know exactly what this is, but like if, if honestly, if you're saying, okay, what is the story of how the Cavs improve on offense and become a more efficient unit? I think it is just like they up the volume of shots at the rim and like make a lot of them because they have a lot of big guys and they figure that out. And that, and even if they don't all get all the way to fourth in terms of shots at the rim rate, like, getting to 10th would make sense mm-hmm. based on their personnel and could like kind of keep some of this efficient or that, you know, they just make open shots that they did make yeah. night against, against Toronto. Um, and also the numbers, I, I know like you had mentioned um, cleaning the glass, does dunks and threes account for garbage time as well? No dunks and threes just adjust for like strength of schedule. So like when the Cavs are like a little different in that rating, it's because they, it said, okay, they perform well against better defenses. Okay. Okay. That's so, you have a healthy selection of games where the Cavs have played bad teams during this opening quarter stretch. They've played good teams like the Celtics and the Raptors and the Bucks. They've lost to the Bucks twice. They've lost to the Raptors twice. They squeaked out two wins in overtime against Boston, which are two of Boston's four losses up to this point this season. Like, and Boston's I, like 
really good. <laughs> I They're... feel more and more confident with my pick of them making the finals. So. Oh man, that team is that team is ridiculous. And they don't even have Time Lord yet. But it's just this Cavs team has shown some metal in terms of they're able to hang with teams, but they clearly have some flaws they need to work on. And the reason I asked about garbage time is, at least over this last stretch when they play the Bucks and they lose Jared Allen for the majority of that game, and then they play the Pistons and the Raptors. There's a lot of crappy basketball being played by the Cavs. And I was just wondering, like, well, how all these numbers are taken into account, but the fact that like they have had some bad games due to injury or just because like they're lacking in offensive personnel, that they're still kind of solid across the board is pretty encouraging for when this team is fully healthy at the end of the day. Yeah. All right. After the break, we're going to come back. We're going to go to the side of the ball. I think it's pretty clear to say the Cavs are better at defined by in a lot of ways. That's how kind of their um, efficiencies would sort of would sort of that's the story of those tell. But first, we have an ad read and Evan is going to tell everyone about it. You're absolutely correct, my friend. This episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by Sweatblock. Chris Defer, not the Chris sitting next to me, wore his sweater every day to school, even in the hot Texas summers to try and hide his sweat. No one likes to have their sweat seep through. It's embarrassing, uncomfortable, and it keeps you from looking and feeling your best. Chris can now wear any shirt without sweating, thanks to today's sponsor, Sweatblock. Christopher was able to fix his problem with Sweatblock, and Sweatblock wipes are great. They were invented by a doctor and they're guaranteed to work or you don't pay for them. They call it the Sweatblock Dry Shirt Guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweatblock risk-free today. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. They're also available on Amazon if that piques your fancy too. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Cavs podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Dammer. Let's move on to the Cavs defense. Evan, Cavs are fourth in defense with a defensive rating of 110.1 for cleaning the glass. Uh, That's a factoring of garbage time. They are third in defensive rating adjusted for strength of the offensive face per dunks and threes. So they were ninth in that category in dunks and threes last year. Their defense, I think, largely overall, Evan, in terms of its efficiency, even if it is not exactly the same because of personnel change and things, has held. I, I think it's just good. It's it's a high, high-end defense that with, I think, particularly because of Allen and because of Mobley, you have that. And yeah, there's been some kind of weird performances at times. I think they're still figuring out some things, but it this feels like a very good defensive team to me once again. Yeah, it is a very good defensive team once again. And I think when we to break down awards and like who's the most valuable player, like he, this is where you can make a legitimate case for Jared Allen because he really is the anchor of this defense and just how it functions. Because yeah, Evan Mobley's gotten a lot better. I think he's gotten better as of late protecting the rim, but I don't think that's his core essence as a player at least right now. Just because he just doesn't possess the size to bang with some of the bigger centers. Like as of where we're recording this, the Cavs have yet to play the 76ers, so I'm interested to see how Evan Mobley defends uh, Joel Embiid and Jared Allen still out against the 76ers on Wednesday. So. It's another test for him, but like this Cavs team has been very good defensively. Like you said, Chris, like this is a defensive first team. This is their sound identity. I think J.B. Bickerstaff and this Cavs team in general will say like they want a lot of their offensive opportunities to be converted from high energy defensive plays. We saw it against uh, the Hornets the other night when Evan Mobley grabs um, a defense or also he's rather an offensive rebound, but he's still able to box out the uh Hornets and they kicked it back out to Darius Garland or when he blocked Terry Rozier and just turned it into a rebound and then a fast break opportunity like you're seeing a lot of that from the Cavs and it really is those two pillars and those two twin towers that they've developed and are still kind of growing in real time as we watch them play that 
really makes him like a legitimate threat once they again start to click and start to gel because at least I had some really quiet concerns about the defensive dip with adding Donovan Mitchell but again it, it has been a little bit of overblown concerns and it's been a cleaner fit than I would have thought it could have been he's been like I'm not gonna sit sit here and like give you like propaganda that he's been like an all defensive player or anything of that oh, nature no. but like but he's been like an impactful effortful defender and like I it still waxes and wanes sometimes, but like he has turned it on in in the moment you need him to, and like sustained it more than I would have expected based on where he came from last year. Like it is just a much more solid. Like he is, he will still be someone that like if the Cavs play Boston in the playoffs or like pick a team that has like a, a bigger wing, Toronto. they're gonna go. Like if yeah, if like OG is really cooking, or if they do some weird stuff with Siakam. Like they will, he will get put in the blender that way, and like he will be the one you attack him. It'll be him and Garland. They're gonna have to navigate that, and that's just it. But like you, you would trust Mitchell, like more to like at least put up a fight based on what we've seen. Like the 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 like the the part of that this equation that is desire and like just like a willingness to like go into the muck a little bit has been there. Um, Evan, if there's one area, and this kind of fits an interesting in an interesting way with their stuff on offense, maybe it, this is just like a Jared Allen thing. I think I could see them even improving it in terms of rim protection. So they allow mm-hmm. an average, average-ish number of shots at the rim, but the teams are basically shooting average against the Cavs at the rim. Last year, the Cavs had the best rim defense in the league, and it's a six percent change in the, in like what teams are shooting at the rim versus Cleveland year over year. I, I wonder if you can just get healthy, like if Jared Allen can just avoid pick, picking up little knocks here and there that keep him out this ankle, this hip. Like, I think that probably just gets better kind of on its own. And, like, you can kind of take that as, like, a more solid thing. And, some like, some of the, there's probably an adjustment in there for, like, the take foul rule and stuff like that that is just generating, like, rim looks, right? Like, there's probably just some of that where, like, you're just getting a couple clean more a game that, like, slightly tweaks a percentage. But I just kind of wonder if, like, you get Jared Allen back, you go back to having that kind of stout into your defense with two, like, seven-foot really long arms in there, and that in itself just gets to what it was last year. And, like, the defense maybe gets even a little better as a result because it's, like, Mm -hmm. still very good. But, like, could it get better if it just kind of denies some more stuff at the rim? And and does does that kind of vacillate with some of the other things as well? Because, like, teams right now are shooting 24th. They're they're defending. Uh, they're giving up like a pretty decent percentage from from three right now. Thirty seven point six percent. Teams are shooting forty six point two percent from the corner against the Cavs, according to Clean of the Glass. Mm-hmm. If those like even just like kind of like normalize in some way, like I like there's just like little things that make me think they're probably going to be better, even if three pointer stuff can be a little bit luck based. Yeah, th- it is interesting to think about because the the Cavs' defensive MO is funneling opposition towards the rim and having to deal with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And I think the lack of Jared Allen at times during this first quarter of the season maybe has skewed a bit of these metrics because you watch Evan Mobley sometimes get worked on by some bigger big men, and I think that's just the nature and reality of the situation here. But I think, yeah, they can get better if you have a healthy and fully stable Jared Allen. Maybe if they are able to invest a little bit more in a backup big man in the middle of the season, which is doubtful, but maybe they finesse a trade just as a part of a piece when they acquire a wing as well. So see where that goes there. But like if the Cavs are able to figure things out on the defensive side of the ball, and again, they're ahead of schedule in my opinion. I think the Donovan Mitchell fit has made it a little bit better. And like you said, he's not like perfect defensively, but Mitchell's been like competent enough at the end of the day, that I think there is still room for improvement and room for growth. And, like, this Cavs team does truly have the potential to be one of the more, if not the most balanced team in the Eastern Conference this season or possibly the league just because they have the potential to be 
Very good at three-point shooting, scoring in the paint, even getting middies if they need to, and also defending the paint, defending the rim, and also at times defending the perimeter because you see some freakish stuff from Evan Mobley. You see Jared Allen looking comfortable defending in space. Like Isaac Okoro for his lumps offensively is still a very good perimeter defender and did over Lamar Stevens when he does at the play. And Dean Wade plays well too. Like the Cavs have an interesting amalgamation of pieces to just kind of become a balanced team. It's just now kind of growing up and learning how to one win big games like that or close games or even bad games against bad teams. And also maybe just not, uh, deal with bad spells of health at times either yeah and like look if they if they get into a spot with like their wings and it's like look they're at least gonna fight and like then Allen and moby cleaned it up and that's sort of your your recipe right like that is sort of what you're doing as you allude to and it's just like i i think this defense is good they're fine this is the side of the ball even if i had to pick that i definitely have more confidence in right now but i also don't really like have i don't have like big picture concerns about the offense i have some about like how good it will be when it gets to play just based on the personnel but like i like for now it is okay yeah i in terms of just where this Cavs team is on either end of the floor i think i have more questions than answers about how they function offensively because i haven't seen them fully healthy or just like all four of their guys and there's still a huge question mark at the wing spot because Karis LeVert's completely cratered after, you know, the strong start of the season. And then you're like kind of patchworking together Dean Wade, who looks a little bit lost or like Lamar Stevens when he's healthy too. like Isaac Okoro started the three the other night against the Raptors with weights sliding to the four. Like there's a lot of just uncertainty at that three spot that uh, you need a guy still who's low usage as a wing who can give you that two way impact. But more than anything, provides more three point shooting just because you kind of need a little bit of more of that if you have two big seven footers playing together. Yes. All right. One more break. We're going to come back. We're going to give out our MVP um, and we're going to leave that off by just listing out who we think is actually in contention for that award. But first, let's tell everyone about our friends at Bet Online. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. For instance, they will have a lineup for Cavs 76ers on BetOnline as well as game props. The Cavs are also minus 1,800 to make the playoffs. Kevin Love is plus 2,500 to win six men of the year. And J.B. Bickerstaff, by the way, is plus 1,000 to win coach of the year. There's Evan Mobley, defensive player of the year odds, and some other fun things over there as well. If that's what you're interested in. Remember, that's Bet Online. That's where the game starts. They literally do have everything World Cup stuff, NBA, crazy NBA prop bets, NFL games, UFC stuff. They have it all. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, last segment Locked on Cast Podcast. I'm Chris Manning. That's Evan Damerel. Evan, I'm gonna let you take this first. If you were to make like a a, lit, a a three, let's let's cut let's cap this at three players. If you were to say who reasonable candidates for Cavs MVP are through the season, who who is your shortlist? Narrowing it down from the fourteen guys in the roster to to an actual top three. I'll make a case for my number one, but no particular order. Jared Allen, Donovan Mitchell, then Darius Garland. That's that's just kind of who my top three are, with honorable mentions, obviously, to Evan Mobley. But that's just where I'm at in terms of just like my MVP race. 
I think that I we'll get into this on the defensive player of the year side as well, but just because like availability does matter and Mobley has been like I think very effective, I do think there's just there is probably a case for him as three in this because mm-hmm. Allen just has missed time and like and I think you know as there's a rim protection thing with him that is very important, but you know he's on he's played 17 games, Mobley's played 21, like, Mobley's played every single game Allen has, and, like, it's only four games, but, like, that, if we're splitting hairs here, that's the case, and, like, I, I think, as an offensive player, Mobley's, I think Mobley's probably been a little better than Allen, they should at least a little bit more dynamic, Allen's, I think, not quite having the same year he did last year, he's been good, just not quite um, the same, I think that's, but I think, like, I think the top two are very clear, I also kind of think that the top one is very clear. Ooh. I think it's Donovan Mitchell, and I don't. I don't really think it's. I don't. I think it's like there's a debate to be had, but I. Th- I think the answer is Donovan Mitchell. I mean, yeah, I agree that it's Donovan Mitchell. I think it's Jared Allen at the end of the day. I think Jared Allen is. Uh, yeah, availability is a factor. I think Mitchell being so available, other than the, uh, I believe, was it an ankle injury though he was dealing with at yeah, times he, that he, kept him out. He, but he he's missed two games. But I. Regardless. Um, yeah. He's been great for the Cavs. Don't get me wrong. Like Donovan Mitchell's been an absolute killer for Cleveland this season. But I just think Jared Allen is so integral to what they do on both ends of the floor, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that you can make a real argument for him. But like you also, you can't ignore how hot Donovan Mitchell was to start the season. I even wrote a very long form piece for Breakdown Euclid about it, about how like yeah, he should be an early season MVP candidate. Like you know, with respects to Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic at the end of the day too, and. I still think Mitchell is kind of in that pack. I think maybe Pascal Siakam should be in the conversation as well, too. Just we'll see how the season goes. But Mitchell played out of his gore to start the season, and you saw that his motor just would not cool off. And even against the Raptors, like you still saw him trying to be confident in his shot, even though OG and maybe kind of shut off his water for the better part of the evening. So I think you make a case for either of them. Maybe MVP is Donovan Mitchell. I'm, I'm kind of thinking this out in real time as we talk about it, but... I think it's just Jared Allen because like this Cavs team just seems to lose their edge quite a bit when it comes to what they're missing with Allen and Allen's a little off this year. So maybe that's, that's part of the issue too. Uh, I think it's the nagging ankle issue ever since we had a listener point out that he's been kind of looking a little off since the preseason and you thought the same, but I don't know. I I agree with you actually. It's Donovan Mitchell. I'm thinking it out now in real time, just like what the Cavs were last season compared to now too. Like if the Cavs were facing some of these situations down the barrel this year without Donovan Mitchell, they would be closer to 500. And I don't think they would have that hot of a start if Darius Garland is out for the first handful of games this season, if there is no Donovan Mitchell here. Here's Donovan Mitchell's just kind of raw stats as of right now. 19 games, he's playing 37 minutes a night. Shooting 48% from the field, 41% on threes, taking nine threes a game. Shooting 55% on twos, 88.2% from the line, 5.8 attempts per game. Five assists against 3.1 turnovers, four rebounds. I mean, he's averaging 28.9 points a game. He's averaging 30 for a large stretch of the season. He very well could end up averaging over 30 by the end of the year. He's averaging six more points per yeah, six more points per game than Darius Garland at the given time. He's averaging 14.9 more points than Evan Mobley. Jared Allen's at 13, 13.5, having a nice season. But like, if you're talking like, for me, the way I'm defining MVP is just like, if if he, this is a guy that is, I think, been the engine of the offense in a lot of ways, at least the scoring engine, 
you go through all your your various metrics like league wide i think he's having like a border around a top five offensive season of any player so far he's rating out as like a top 10 off a top 10 player so far on like various stats that you can you can look at and and take those for what you will um, mm-hmm. they're not the gospel, but like they're part of kind of my thought process on some of these things. I think the, the defense is effort and that is matter that which we touched on. He's just like kind of, I think been like the defining flow of the team. And maybe that's because he's new, but he is like, I think actually like, I, I think he's like in the race for like to have like a top five MVP finish. I think he's like a step behind some of the very, very high end guys. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of what he's been for the Cavs, he has been that he has been the lead and is just having like a, a crazy good offensive season in particular. I, I think it's like him. If I was my ballot itself would be like Mitchell and then Garland. And then I would say like you could convince me of like a couple that either Allen or Moby three. But I think it's I, I when I when I when I started doing the prepping for this, it's just like I, he was in pen at one. There's just I can't find like a I couldn't think of a case like narrative wise. I couldn't think of a case like based on the numbers. I couldn't think of a case based on the play that that wasn't Donovan Mitchell to this point. I think you're making a fair argument at the end of the day. Like it, Donovan Mitchell's just been really great for the Cavs, and I think again, like the the, the Jazz are coming back down to earth with Larry Markin and still kind of killing it out there for Utah. But like, if Larry Markin is pretty much your main sacrifice because Ochai Abaji's not getting even a sniff of the court for the Jazz, and Colin Sexton is kind of just flatlining as a player. He has plateaued quite a bit, and we'll see what he is also, maybe without Jordan Carlerks in there, and like the, the Jazz kind of jettison off a lot of their veterans too, but the Cavs are, have to feel like they're the biggest winners in this trade. Like I think you can kind of punt on several years of draft picks. I know you unloaded your clip for the best available superstar at the time because it's between him, Rudy Gobert, and... Um, Who's the third star that got moved this off season? Help me out here, Kurt. Um, uh, I th- is it just those two? Am I for- it was forgetting? Gobert. It was. Oh, it was Kevin Durant, who was obviously like a trade candidate. Yeah, but didn't get. Yeah, but didn't. But yeah, but didn't get traded. Yeah, so it was mostly Gobert and. It was Gobert uh, and Mitchell, and then like Bogdanovich. I mean, it was just a lot of. A lot of Kings guys, really. Like, I don't think there was any other, like, Oh, DeJounte Murray going to the Hawks, excuse me. Oh, so, like, yeah, that was yeah, a guy yeah, that was yeah, in yeah. conversation for Cleveland, but I think you'd rather have the offensive upside of Donovan Mitchell versus the defensive upside. Like, yes, in theory, DeJounte Murray and Darius Collin would be hellacious, especially J.B. Bickerstaff coaching up this defense, but... I think the Cavs are more than good on defense right now with what they have in Mobley and Allen as just like their core and they can build around that. But like offensively, they need a shot in the arm. And it was very clear last season they needed to support Darius Garland, who was arguably their MVP last year. And that's the best way to go about is getting like arguably the best shooting guard, if not the best player at his position in Donovan Mitchell. The the Murray fit would have been different. And like, I think it would have been really compelling it would have been a very different kind of fit in terms of what Garland would have been. And like Mitchell is just like a, if Garland has very much settled into a very nice role that he's very, very good at where he, like he leads the team in assists with 8.1 per game. Mitchell's at Mitchell's at five and he, and Garland only turns the ball over. Like, like he barely turns the ball over more than, than Mitchell at this point in the season. Like he's been very good and he settled into a role that I think fits him very, very well. He gets to like pick his spots a little bit more, he gets. He doesn't have to carry the full scoring board. Mitchell's just like give me the scoring burden, and, and like it's carrying just like a crazy usage, um, for the year. 
Uh, like he has a thirty. Like he has he has the team's highest usage at thirty one point four. Garland's at twenty eight point eight. No one else. Kevin Love's at twenty point seven. No one else is above twenty. So like these are the guys that like have been really the engine to things. And I think Mitchell has been the biggest engine for a team that is third in the East. That is, you know, thirteen and eight has had like some really really high high moments. I to me mm-hmm. it's, it's Mitchell and. It wouldn't surprise me if he... I, look, if the Cavs finish top three in the East, I think he'll get some actual MVP votes. I do, too. Like, all NBA feels certainly possible with Donovan Mitchell. Like, he'll make one, the first, second, or third team for sure. But, like, I agree. If they finish top two, top three, which is certainly a path the Cavs could pursue just based on how this regular season is shaping up so far, um, yeah, he could be in conversation with the MVP at the end of the year. And But we'll see. obviously see how it goes. Like, like I said, Doncic's having an amazing season. His usage rate will never be touched by any player. But like Jason Tatum's just playing out of his court, and who knows? Uh, Curry, maybe I a mean, player. So what's Steph, Curry's, word, Steph Curry's, Curry's the best center, point guard, power forward, small forward, and shooting guard all at the same time for the Warriors right now. Like, there's a lot of guys that are great. Uh, I, 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 all NBA guards are going to be really fun. Let's we'll have to come back to that at some point. We'll definitely do like a, let's make the case for Donovan Mitchell kind of thing at some point if this continues. But like. Mitchell hasn't made an NBA NBA team yet, and like That's maybe this is the. It's just it guards really loaded, man. It's like how Mike Conley like made, took forever for Mike Conley to make an All Star team. It's fair. It's very like fair. Luke, so like Luke, it's like Luca. You're gonna have like Luca, Steph. Does Tatum get put in as a guard? It's possible. That's happened. Um, Trey, like you, like you're gonna have like a lot of guards. Um, mm-hmm. Mitchell probably, I kind of feel like he'll get it. Harden's going to be missing a month. That's going to impact him. Regardless, we'll come back to this at some point. It's going to be competitive. He's certainly going to be in the mix. Like really be. smart at basketball, like Nikias Duncan, who or Mark Schindler, who just mainlines basketball 24-7, 365. to debate with us on whether or not uh, Donovan Mitchell has a case over any of the guards that are just in the ABA in general. I also don't want to talk about all. I feel like if I talk about All-NBA and say that again before, like, March, I might like hurt myself because it's like way too well, early. It's I'd way too early. Not. This is I, I hosted two episodes last week by myself. I don't need to do it again. You're saying and also I care about you, so this is a bit this is a bad time to tell you I'm going on an extended sabbatical. Going offshore to handle more of those accounts, eh? That's yeah, that's right. All right. Thanks again. Shouldn't for let Jake use the company credit card. That's all I can say. Yeah, Jake Jake booked like a like a one way ticket to Qatar. Very weird choice. He bought a one way ticket to Qatar. He bought a Persona five vinyl box set and some Steely Dan sweatpants. If you know, you know. Yeah, Jake's just a little bit large. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. This episode was produced by Jake Stevens, who I don't even know where he is anymore. Come back for part two of this discussion on Friday, and then where in the world is Jake Stevens? Hope he wears. He has like a strip Waldo shirt, so we can find him. Uh, on Thursday, we'll have uh, Cap Seventy Sixers recap, which will be Wednesday night, Cleveland, seven p.m. tip. So tune in for that. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris. That's Evan. Talk to you tomorrow.